Everything's rolling? Yep. Yep. Okay. Three, two, one. All right. Welcome to episode two of Produced by Zombies. I'm going to start off with by saying we are available now on Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Radio Public and Breaker. I'm actually not even aware of these two, Radio Public and Breaker, but we are available on Spotify right now. Uh, there are some issues going on with the Apple Music and a couple of other platforms. It's just that it actually takes a couple of weeks to get verified on those uh, platforms. Spotify was almost immediate, to be honest. But uh, things like Apple Music and there's like two others platform that are actually waiting to verify our podcast. So for now, we're only available on Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Radio Public and Breaker. All of the link will be in the Instagram account and YouTube videos. So um, I actually want to go through... First of all, to start things off with, I want to go through some of the analytics from our podcast. Because um, I'm guessing you'd be curious to hear that, Greg. Yeah, I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, I, 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 I deliberately kept this a secret. <laughs> so, obviously, we made zero pound because uh, we'd never got it. Actually, by, by the way, we're hosting this uh, podcast from Anchor.fm. Um, you know, obviously, it's not sponsored or anything, but... Their tools actually allow you to gain sponsorships from different companies, which is really sick. And they will actually put it all in the graph for you. So right now, obviously, it's going to say zero pound and zero cent. So 85% of people are from the United Kingdom. So that means 14% the rest of the people are from United States and more specifically from Texas. I don't know anyone from Texas. So uh, that's a good sign, in my opinion. Do you, Greg? Absolutely none. <laughs> Let me see if I can just go deeper with United Kingdom. Yeah, so he just says. Does England. that count if anyone's on a VPN? We, true. I don't know actually. I don't know how it. So he just says geographic locations. Probably that, to be honest. Um, I did. Did you just turn on NordVPN and just listen <laughs> to it in loads of different? I did. Um. I did promote it through like my Instagram, like every platform that I had. Like, sorry for spamming every single platform, but it had to be done in it. So, 100% of our audience are males. I don't know what we, why females stay away from us. And then age. Let me have a look. From so we have 67% of our audience is 18 to 22 year olds, and 33% are 23 to 27. Uh, you know, I'm guessing this is like the perfect uh, target audience, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, thank you very much for actually tuning in on the first episode. I promise things will get better here with our proper structures and better topics as well. And today, we'll be talking about uh, cameras, as promised last time. And I've got on my list A7S Mark III, the new Sony Alpha 1 and Canon R5 and the R6. I'm not really keen on R6 because it's not like the flagship model from Canon, but mostly about R5. So, let's get started. Uh, okay, so, I'm going to start with Greg. What do you, out of these three cameras, which one do you like? Out of the A7S, A7S 3 Yep, A7S Mark III, Canon R5, and A7, sorry, Sony Alpha A1. A1. Yeah. I think I've got to go the A1 just because A7S3, not as much of a photo camera as well. True, true. And got to pick the most expensive. One. <laughs> you know what? This is actually true. Like, um, 
the higher the price, the better performance and better stuff you're getting from your camera. Because like most of the time, even in smartphone nowadays, that's not true. Because if you're looking at like Samsung Galaxy Fold, I don't think it's any better than iPhone 12. And but whereas the Fold is about like two grand, and iPhone 12 right now it's about like a grand. So with cameras, you can tell by the price how good they are. Um, but here's my argument. One thing Alpha struggles with compared to A7S Mark III is the low light performance. And you yeah. know this, I love uh, cameras that can do amazing in low light. Um, so just to read out some specs, one thing I stand out to me from A7S a lot is the flip out screen, something that uh, Alpha True. 1 does not have surprisingly. I don't think it's that hard to just attach a flip out screen. Do you get what well, I mean? For the flip out screen, I'm just thinking because obviously the first marketing video they did for it mm -hmm. was, I think the first one they put out was the photography one. And I know my experiences with using the mod, like the A7 and the earlier models, when right. you're doing photography, just the normal tilt screen, I've actually come to prefer that. Because, for example, like when I'm at football and stuff, okay. it's weird having the flip out screen here when I've gone to the AED. But when I was using just the A7, it was a bit more natural. Oh, okay. That's interesting. But with the A7 III, because it's obviously, let's be honest, vloggers, like yeah, that's where yeah. it's really gone heavy. But I think then the flip-out screen comes in. Apart from like vlogging in general, um, I think like I've got flip-out screen on my camera, the Lumix G7. Um, I th personally, I love it because let's say I want to take a photo of uh, flat light photography rather than just attaching it with like a separate screen it's just much more convenient for me to like flip it out and uh, look at it from an odd angle so or even same thing if i'm putting on a gimbal i can't uh, let, let's say i'm putting on a gimbal it's on a low angle but then i can't see what's going on if it's a flat screen or even just a tilt one because i don't think on the alpha one the tilt goes um quite high if that makes sense um yeah but personally I prefer flip-out screen, so that's a minus from me on Alpha 1. Um, color screen, color science-wise, sorry. Both Sonys are amazing. So is the Canon. Have you seen the difference uh, between Canon and Sony uh, color science, Greg? I think it's a weird one because, to be honest, I'm not, I'm, I use Canon, and I'm not that impressed as a whole about the colors. The amount of buzz that everyone puts into it, I think it's not worth the amount of people that stay on Canon just for that. Just for that, like, yeah. Like I was saying to you, I'm probably going to be switching to Sony. Oh, the yeah. The A7 III going for that just second-hand one. And from the comparisons that I've looked at, the colours doesn't look like it would be a massive deal as long as... Like, I'm going to be color grading anywhere. Yeah, I understand so. how um, you want the best quality from the camera. But if your camera can support flat profile, and I mean it officially, not like when you fake it, yeah. I don't really see a huge point in, um, in, in, in judging color science. Having said that, though, my Lumix G7 is horrible with the brown skin colors. Like, I've got brown color, but um, when I try to go on Premiere Pro and color grade it, I don't know if it's 8-bit being 8-bit, but it's just really annoying to, like, uh, change colors. It's, it's not even that 
it's showing brownness or something, it has inaccurate brown or yellow colors. Even if I point my camera towards something yellow, it's inaccurate. Um, so I understand like what they mean by color science, but at the same time, these high-end cameras, I'm pretty sure you can easily just fix all the colors from your from your Lumetri panel or whatever software you use. Um, yeah. Photo, when you look at it from the photo perspective, A7S Mark III isn't as great. We all know that 12 megapixel, and they only did it 12. They only made it 12 megapixels to reduce noise from the video. Um, so on R5, it's 45 megapixel. I think at the end of the day, it depends what you really want to use your camera for. So um, considering you are doing filming, right? Actually, actually, I'm going to ask you the question. What do you do mostly? Is it filming or photography? Well, at the moment, it's filming. But for right. that's just because non-league football's out of the picture. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, I wouldn't want the... For now, I wouldn't want to get something with low megapixels to that extent of, like, 15, whatever it was. Just okay. because I want to be able to do have the option to do photos right now. Right, and yeah, I'm still yeah. kind of fan of what I'm going to do. But I also don't want to go for 45 megapixels <laughs> because I want to kind of just stay in the mid-range. Yeah, so like right now, I think yeah. I've got 24. Sony A7 III that I'll be good looking at is 24. I think it's just, for now, kind of hedging my bets. It's not terrible. Okay. Uh, the one thing with Sony A7S Mark III is because it's a um, video camera more than a photo one, the ISO can go up to 409,000. More specifically, 409,600. And you start losing details around 106, sorry, 160,000 ISO. And that is a lot of room for uh, shadows. Again, if you know me, I really love shooting in low light and I want a camera that can handle low light performance like crazy. That's one of the things that I look for in every single camera. Um, that Ace, sorry, Alpha One. Oh, these names names are confusing, by the way. So Sony Alpha One, apparently their low light performance isn't the best. Like it's amazing, it's better than uh, R Five, I'd say. But comparing that against to A Seven S Mark Three, you'll start seeing noise um, as soon as you go above like I think was it 120k or something like that. Um, do bear in mind. I haven't used this camera. This is all from like different by watching different YouTube videos, watching official uh, YouTube videos from Sony's and from Canon, and looking at their footage. Uh, because obviously we're a broadcast content creator, I'd say. Um, but yeah, so for video, let's say if you want to go with video, which one would you go for? Alpha One, Canon R5, or A7S Mark III, and why? Just from what I've seen, I'd probably just go A7S Mark III. Yeah, I am. Um, Back when A7S Mark III, like seven months ago now, and R5 was released, I just never re like understood what was the argument there. Like, okay, when R5 was released, right, I was super pumped. I was like, oh my god, this is the biggest big breakthrough of the decade in cameras and everything. But then when A7S arrived, I was like, you know what, we don't really need 8K footage. And what's the point of having an 8K raw C-log? When you can only film it for 20 minutes and then you have to wait about half an hour to an hour depending on like your environment temperature. I would rather have 4K that's really amazing 
and on continue shooting then 8k or even 4k on an r5 by the way so there's two 4ks and r5 uh, one one of them it's good 4k and one of them is just standard 4k so on the good one uh, the camera shoots at 8k but then compresses it down to downscaled it to uh, 4k and so you, you you're gonna end up with the same eight uh, sorry same 20 minute recording limit and i don't like that um and that's something with a7s mark 3 they only have one 4k option so it's really simple to use and it's really amazing no uh overeating issues or anything so in my opinion i would have gone with a7s mark 3 until Sony released the Alpha One. And that's because oh. it's a hybrid camera and I love it. Um, 8K video without overheating. That's something Canon, I don't know why they managed to like release a I camera. I think Canon just overshot it. So like, I think the, looking back at old videos, cause when I'm looking at like older models that I might pick up. Yeah. Everyone always says, like, oh, Sony have an issue with basically overshooting, put too many specs in the cameras, not waiting until they've got it perfect, mm -hmm. and then putting it out, and then you get overheating. But Canon, they always say Canon don't do that. Not anymore, but, yeah. <laughs> and it's always hilarious in hindsight because it looks like Canon have just gone, ah, shit, um, <laughs> Sony's a good, let's just put 8K. And it's like, oh, they fucked it. it. <laughs> But then now, look at Sony now. I think they took like seven, eight months. But they come up with a camera that's actually, I'd say, better than R5. I don't see the point of R5 anymore, let's be honest, when you have Alpha 1. Like, I think R5 is going to be for people that are already stuck to kind of like, they've got so much stuff that it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it the, doesn't make sense to make a switch. Photo first, and the most they will shoot is maybe a bit of like, b-roll for a vlog but bro even Possibly. for photo first alpha one has 50 photos per minute was it 50 sorry no 30. but i was saying like in relation you know when they brought out that and then the a7s3 like at that point that's just like the yeah yeah, yeah. it was the best photo camera that you could get out that was new <laughs> but now the alpha one's just ridiculous it's, yeah it's it's as i said last episode it's the alpha <laughs> Um, Shut up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, isn't it faster than, f you said 15 frames per second, I think you can get... Sorry, no, no, yeah, even... I said 50 accidentally, I meant 50 megapixel, oh. but it can do oh, up to right. 30 frames per second, Yeah. and that's like a video at this point, you can have raw video <laughs> by just taking photos. I don't know how, how long it lasts for, so for, so for example, my camera, it stops, it actually freezes completely, do bear in mind, I'm talking about a camera that's about like 500 quid. It can do about uh, six uh, photos per second. And if you keep on holding the shutter button, it'll freeze after like two seconds because the processor can't handle it anymore. But with Alpha 1, they have like an internal storage as well. Everything to make sure it doesn't like break while using it. No overheating issues or nothing. So that's why I would go with Alpha 1. Resolution wise, 8K, 30 frames per second. That's amazing. And if you want to go 120 frames per second, you'll go to 4K, and that's a good 4K as well. And if you want to do 240 frames per second, you'll go to 1080p. Um, do you know what I mean by, by the way, if I say a good 1080p versus a bad 1080p? Well, yeah, I've seen, because I saw on the, I think it was an R5 versus A7S3, like their 4K on the Sony, 
is a lot better than the Canon 4K. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've noticed that as well. But no, but, um, we, we, I don't know the exact reasons why and all the Gerald undone nerdiness into it. <laughs> yeah, without yeah, without actually going into a lot of detail. But I mean, like, with, so with two forty frames per second, I watched the official clips from Sony and official clips from Canon. Canon one kind of looked like they were shot from uh, my camera actually. <laughs> And it makes sense why, because obviously when you increase the frames per second, there's far more hard work for the camera to do. But but can sorry, Sony Alpha's um, 20, 240 frames per second looks far better on 1080p than Canon's R5. So at the end of the day, without being like a Sony fanboy, because apparently that's a thing, I feel like there's no point in buying um, Canon at this point unless you have all the Canon lenses in the world and your full setup is Canon and you can't really make a move, then sure, that's your best option out there. But uh, if you're starting news like me, actually, because I want to invest into like a bigger setup eventually, and I would definitely go with Alpha 1. It just doesn't make sense to go with R5. It will actually uh, future-proof you as well. I think this camera is going to last for like next 5 to 10 years, no doubt. I want to say 10 years because just how quick everything moves. Like, no, no, but think about it. The one I use, um, it's about six year old now and it's still relevant. And it's like 500 quid camera. Back then, apparently, it was like 900 sure. quid. Um, it might go like obviously cheaper in prices, but I think for what it can do, it's definitely like future proofed for quite some time. And do bear in mind, you are paying a lot of price. I think it's about like six or seven thousand pounds in the UK. Um, yeah, it's like cinema camera level. Yeah. Like it's more expensive than like a C two hundred or yeah, yeah. So I would, I would assume, and I would as a as a consumer, I would like it to last for quite a while. Like obviously they'll be like Alpha two, Alpha three, and I'm really keen to sort of to see what they will bring on the new setup. But um, yeah, I think it should last between five to ten years, not without any. I problem. hope it lasts ten years. Then I might actually be able to pick it up <laughs> and afford it. <laughs> After ten years, the price going down to five hundred. When I'm thirty, I'll um I'll invest in it. <laughs> do you think actually? By the way, do you think we're hitting a brick wall at this point? Uh, when it comes to quality, because you can only see so many pixels or like so much resolution, right? I don't see. I think. Like, I think a while ago, to be fair, you hit the point where it's like, for YouTube. I think they've already passed the amount of quality that you can actually get out of the camera. In it, it's like I, I, I like what they're doing. Like, in uh, you have more freedom in the editing room, but I'm just I'm just confused. What will Alpha Two or Alpha Five in the next I don't know ten fifteen years will have? It's just like I think one area that we need to improve on. Actually, it just clicked to me. One area that we need to improve on in camera industry is low light performance. <laughs> Again, I haven't seen apart from A7S Mark Three. There's barely any cameras that can do really well in low light. No, A7S too. That's a good shout. Just any of the A7S. Sony Alpha range is just so... Yeah. Because I use the A7, and the difference between that, which is like, how much is it now? It's not much compared mm -hmm. to my 80D, which is actually like, a f I think it's a few years more recent. It just destroys the Canon. It? And it's like... I regretted, I got told like I should go to Canon, uh, go to Sony for the low light. And now I'm like, right, I've had my Canon for five, six months or whatever. By the way, a lot of people like, will right, be getting triggered by this. Mistake. We are not Sony fanboys. 
I remember when A7S3 came out and I was talking like a lot about him and people were just saying, oh yeah, you're just a Sony fanboy. <laughs> I've only ever had Canon. Like everything <laughs> I've got right now, I've got two Canon FD lenses. I've got a 50 mil and I've got a kit lens, but it's uh, all Canon. <laughs> I loved Canon. Guess why? Peter McKinnon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Slept with your poster of Peter McKinnon. Because <laughs> with a Canon headband on. <laughs> so I was thinking of getting like a, a Canon, what was it, Canon R? EUS R? EUS R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that was obviously out of my budget. No, actually, it was in my budget. But then I realised I should rather invest into a gimbal and a camera. I don't know why I made this decision because now I'm thinking back to it. It did have IBIS, didn't it? So... Uh, I regret getting my gimbal, 100%. Do you? I regret it so much. I don't know why I've got a gimbal. I <laughs> don't use mine as much, but when I when I need to use it, I'm so glad that I have a gimbal. Just because, actually, my camera doesn't have any sort of stabilization. Uh, you can, yes, you can uh, buy a stabilized lens, but these uh, that, that, those lenses are really expensive. Oh, for Canon as well, it adds it up a lot. That's why I'm, another reason I want to move to Sony, because in-body stabilization of the A7 III, I was also looking yeah. at the. Have you seen the A sixty four hundred range, like A six thousand? The only thing stopping me getting that is the fact it doesn't have in body stabilization. IBIS, Otherwise, yeah. I could save myself a few hundred quid. You do have like weird artifact, by the way, with IBIS, but that's something Alpha One fixes. Um, it's because of their fastest. Oh, without again being super nerdy about it, because I'm I, I don't even know myself, but somehow their processor processes each frame from the video quite fast that means in ibis you don't get that weird side effect artifact sorry but in a7s mark 3 and even in r5 apparently you do have the wobbly effects on the corners of the screen um because ibis is just it's like it's like when you put a warp stabilizer from premiere pro and you know how you get like these weird oh, things I on the corners hate, I hate it. yeah when you shake your camera too much i think the processor can't handle it well or something. I don't know again. The, but the to be fair, on the A7S III, I saw James Matthews' video on it, and he was shooting someone skateboarding, and he was doing a lot of movements and stuff. And Did with the right? rolling shutter, I think there was a lot of improvements to it. I um, mean, I, and I think... couldn't see any shaking there. Like you're a bit weird if you're going like this. Like you've got <laughs> a bit of an issue. <laughs> but I mean, uh, again, at the end of the day, those two cameras, I think, has have obviously not one of the best, but like they're top up there. Um, with best IBIS and everything. But, um, yeah, you had a question for me, Greg, didn't you? Yeah, so when you were talking about these new cameras and everything, and I know how much you were a fan of specs and 120 frames per second at 4K, <laughs> um, if you had to name three attributes that can be physical, software, anything, about a camera for okay. your ideal camera, what would those three aspects be? Uh... As I've been going on about for the past half an hour, <laughs> low light performance, number one, has to be up there. Right. Um, just because my camera is horrible at stabilization, I'm going to say an amazing IBIS, and I'm going to nick it from Alpha 1 again. Um, <laughs> and have you ever heard MKBHD going on about how he loves detail in the videos, in his videos? I do not watch him that much. I've, I well, used to, but no. He was one of the first YouTubers who invested so much in his camera gear because he he could actually see details 
in the video. Do you know how like we're like, oh, there's no difference between 4K or or like 8K and 4K. Yeah. I'm one of those people who actually can tell, and I don't like it by the way because every video annoys me because I'm like, oh, I wish this was 4K or I wish this was um, at least 1080P. But then there's a lot of people out there who don't even care when it's 720p. Um, so in my perfect camera, I would have low light performance, stabilization, and a good, at least 4K resolution. Sharpest image you've ever seen in a camera. That would be my dream setup. Um, yeah. yeah, what about you? Have you thought of something? Ah, uh, So... I'm always torn because I'm wanting to keep my options open for photo video, but because I think I'm swaying over to video, I think right. my specs would be kind of towards that. Okay. I wouldn't be too... I'm not going to say like 6K or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like 4K would be fine. So I'm going to go with good IBIS. Okay. So I'm going to steal that one from you. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Because I'm not saying it's a brand, I think I'm going to go with the camera mount for the lenses that I like the most. And I'll go with uh, RF lens mount because okay. those lenses are a bit naughty. Um, <laughs> and the third one, I cannot think of a third one. It is spaced from my head. Oh, God. loads of customizable options like yeah. any of the Sony. True, true, true. If I would have to add one more thing, I'd say if there's something better than 10-bit color depth because I am so annoyed at 8-bit. Because I actually didn't know, oh, I didn't know about color depth or anything before I bought that camera. It's only when I started editing my video and I was like, why is just, when I change the colors, why is it just not as good as this creator or this guy? And then on on, on a Facebook group, they were like, yeah, it's just because you got 8-bit camera, mate. I was like, ah, okay, so I need to invest into a 10-bit camera. But if there's something far bigger than 10-bit, I would get that in my dream camera. Because I might be wrong, but I think Isn't cinema like- cameras, so like the Sony FS7. Right. I th- oh, is it 12-bit? Because it goes... Fair, I think even some of the Sonys might be 12-bit. I might be wrong there. People will be getting angry over this because... we, we I just don't know, honestly, by the way. Um, I, I know. Fuck all. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to actually quickly search this. I, I'm looking it up already. <laughs> 12-bit cam... Uh, uh, 12-bit colour depth. Let's see if that is a thing. I'm just getting TVs. Color depth of 30, 36, and 48 bits per pixel are in... No, that's four, oh, 16 bits per RGB. I don't know. I mean, people... Apparently, like, BBC and all them, like, they use 8-bit. And I don't get how. Like, I get it, like, at the same well, time... it's because they're, they're using, not doing anything crazy Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, their... not, they're not modif- uh, manipulating the colors. But, to be fair, have you seen Make Art Now, Josh Yo? What, what, sorry? Have you seen Make Art Now, YouTube channel? No, 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 no. He's this guy called Josh Yo, and he did this kind of matrix edit to his footage, and he turned it like purple. He was using like just shifting the hues and everything, and he did that with the A7 III, which is eight bit color. So I saw that and I was like, "Well, I don't get how." Like, my camera can only do good enough 
color grading when it has like a lot of light um and especially when i'm shooting on a flat profile and if i um, actually overexpose the image by like something like one stop or something it can handle color grading i think it's mostly because shadows are the one that actually are pain in the backside when it comes to color grading 8-bit but um yeah i just want to get the i want to get the dynamic range and eight uh, sorry 10-bit uh, editing abilities um yeah so uh that's pretty much our um, topic of the day well, not topic of the day sorry first topic of the day about cameras um so one thing i want to add in this podcast is uh, opinions so i'm gonna bring one um one topic or one subject um every episode and i just want to i just want to ask what your opinion are on it and the first one is clarity slider oh good one by the way oh by the way uh, my camera stopped recording just have a look if uh mine is still going all right sweet so clarity sliders yes right so you're asking my opinion on it yeah so shall i start first to uh, yeah you go yeah. for it so clarity sliders i love it when i edit my photos <laughs> with uh, a oh, bit one sec my camera stopped oh so yeah there we go. I like editing photos with clarity, but only when I like add just a touch of it. But then there's people who think it's okay to grab the sliders and push it all the way to hundred. Like, okay, art is subjective, but come on, <laughs> is it only me or am I be like a bit aggressive here? Because you have those HDR edits, right? And they look. In my opinion, by the way, they might be like the best thing for you in the world, but in my opinion, they look horrendous. You just push this clarity slider all the way to the hundred. Would you agree with me on this one? I think it's just the same with a lot of editing. Like normally, I go with the belief of like less is more. So I know with my sport photography and stuff, the only stuff I'll really do is the I'll make the colors a tiny bit more saturated. Okay. Um. And I add a tiny bit of clarity because it makes everything seem a yes. tiny bit sharper. When you have like, however, nice... yeah. there is sport photographers <laughs> that some of them I actually really like them in certain moments, like okay, and they turn the clarity up quite high. Quite high. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you see it a lot in like MMA and boxing. If you just search on Instagram, one of those hashtags, uh, every image you'll see worst combination. Looks Looks weird. Worst combination is desaturated, uh, f- maximum sharpness, maximum clarity, and uh, maximum shadows. Have you noticed that as well? So, do do you even know what like which sort of photo I'm talking about? I might just put some photos here uh, on this on on the YouTube. You talk um, about just like when someone turns something black and white and just thinks, oh, because it's black and white, but I can it's, turn up but it's all not even black and like you see the colors, but it's so desaturated and it's like over sharpened over clarified and it's so annoying my rule of thumb is if i notice someone like if i can tell someone is using a clarity then i don't then i'm like uh you shouldn't you shouldn't have used clarity but when i don't notice it that means it must have been done well if that makes sense it's like saying do you know in uh, in, in any film or something if you can tell a shot has been produced in a certain way normally that's a bad thing if the viewer can't... But I think that comes with 
so you're saying about if you notice it, it's a bad thing but i know from my experience when when you're doing something more and getting more experience and stuff you can pick up more stuff oh yeah so that's like true. Yeah, from, yeah. i think it's more i think that rule of thumb is when the audience are looking at something and they go oh something's up here fair yeah actually because so think like a be lot a bit... of you'll get like a lot of fan pages and stuff of football teams mma fighters or whatever they just love it so <laughs> i think in that case then it's fine but if you were maybe showing something to someone that's more experienced they're going to be able to pick up things yeah, so it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that just because you can see it there's something wrong with it but I... there's a level of just being a bit less <laughs> obvious with putting it to the max unless that's like a style that you want to do I agree but it just pisses my boy <laughs> it, just, it just boils my piss it just boils my piss off yeah I, I, I'll actually I'll, I'll send you later what I mean by the way because uh, and I, I'll put it on my on the YouTube video as well what I mean by that um, but clarity is a big no-no for me if, if I can tell but again as you said the the end consumer they might not even care about it for them it's it it's just a really amazing photos have you noticed like um people do that in car photography as well yeah i think and, i haven't uh, looked at any page but when i used to follow the pages now looking back like all of the pictures were just i i am that. like i'm actually guilty of doing that for my first two photos but i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a bit gentle with myself here it was only because uh, the photos from the f- like from initially the photos without anything they weren't sharp at all and bear in mind I was just taking z- digitally zoomed in photos from a phone of like snails of like random stuff in my back garden and then I would just go to my uh, Lightroom mobile and then crank the uh, clarity slider to like 80 or 90 just to bring back like some sort of sharpness but uh, the one I'm on about, they're like HDR, clarified, over-sharpened photos. And I personally, you know, it, it just pisses me off. I don't like them. Um, but yeah, um, second topic of the podcast was music for your videos. Um, I'm going to start off with saying, what service do you use, Greg? Uh, as you know, I use um, <laughs> Artlist. Yes, he uses the art list, and I'm going to say because of James Matthew, right? Um, yep. And I use Epidemic Sound because of Peter McKinnon. <laughs> and Matty Hapoya. And, and Daniel Schiffer. And, <laughs> and every other YouTuber out there. <laughs> no, okay, so I like Epidemic Sound because, apart from their amazing tracks, I mean, it just feels like they're sponsored us or something, but I like Epidem- Epidemic Sound because they kind of support creators. Um... I've seen a lot of sponsored videos from Artlist, but I haven't seen Artlist actually flying out uh, 100 creators and having like some sort of festival going on or like uh, sending multiple creators to like Antarctica or something. But Epidemic Sound have been doing that. Um, they did it with Peter McKinnon, like fair, like he's like the, the biggest, I'm guessing, photography guy on YouTube. So fair, but like um, if I talk about people like Hayden Pedersen, I don't know if you've heard of him. Or, or North Borders. I already know. Yeah, they're all from that little Australian group. Yeah, of, yeah. yeah. Um, they back then. I, I like. I, I think they had about what hundred k subs or ninety k subs, but um, Epidemic Sound actually flew them to Las Vegas or something, um, in in the US, and 
they were part of this uh, festival, and they've been sponsored three times now. Second time, it was like another competition. They flew out someone from uh, America to Australia to hang out with the boys for like two weeks, and his name was like Joseph Gracia. Um, I've actually had a chat with him as well, uh, luckily one day, uh, on, on Insta. And then third time, Corona hit, but obviously, so they can't do anything now, but they've been like doing a lot for the careers. That's why I really like uh, Epidemic Sound. Um, and technically, they have one of my favorite creators. I don't know how to say his name. Is it double O and double Y? How would you pronounce that? Oi. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. <laughs> he's like, oi. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's 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 amazing um, at what he does. Have you heard of the track called Ganja? Yes, it's the one that is used in um, every, every single, Yeah, every yeah. B-roll. Like, do. Ah, That was a horrible impression. But anyway. Clipping that up. (laughs) Uh, And in general, the brand seems cool, in my opinion. It's just, I don't know, every time I think of Epidemic Sound, I'm going to say they've done their marketing the right way. And with Artlist... Yeah, I'd say the the reason you are liking them is because they're marketing, yeah. They have trendier (laughs) marketing. But the one thing I do like with Artlist, because I spoke to you at first and I was like, or kind of regretting my decision of not going epidemic sound because yeah. you can kind of split the track up and everything and just a bit more features to it. But correct me if I'm wrong. Do you? There's different levels of, subscri- of subscriptions, right? So there's one way you yeah. can just put it on personal use, yeah, yeah, and then you have to pay more for like so I think, uh, commercial use. I think it's like below certain figure on YouTube. I think if if you um if you've got less than 10,000 subscribers, it's like 9.99, just like your Spotify and Apple Music. Yeah. But if you want to go with the commercial freelancer, that's 240 per year or 40 quid a year, uh, so 40 quid a month. Um, and uh, Yeah, if- see, that's already like more... See, I thought, because I was comparing the prices, but I didn't pick up on the fact of, oh, if I want to use this commercially, which is all that I'm using it for at the moment, because mm-hmm. I've been thinking of starting a YouTube channel, but I haven't, so it doesn't matter. Um, but the only time I've used music is for jobs, so I'd need the commercial one anyway. So the fact that Artlist does, like, I think their marketing line is one subscription for, like, everything. Oh, So that works, actually, for me. Wait, so how much is it for, like, uh, is it monthly or annually? I paid annually. I got two months free, so I got 14 months for 200, uh, 150 quid. Oh, wow. I think it was, like, 200-odd euros. Oh, that's actually quite cheap. Because I think it's like 240 on Epidemic Sound. But that's full commercial only. What I tend to do, if a client is looking for... So it depends on the budget, right? So if they are super tight on the budget, then I use YouTube Music Library. Have you heard of that? Um, yeah, I've actually heard someone talk about it today. Yeah, so the issue with that is the tracks aren't as good. And it makes sense why, because the the creators aren't getting paid for their music. But the good thing is, they have like a huge library with all the free tracks, and you can use them for any purposes whatsoever. Um, it's quite hard to find a good track, I'm not going to lie, but if your client is on a tight budget, I use their services. Otherwise, um, I actually ask my clients either to pay 40 quid or 30, and then I'll put my uh, 10 quid from myself, and I'll get like a monthly, uh, one month taxes for commercial purposes. So they get their track, they get their music and everything, and I have a free one month access to epidemic sound to do whatever i want so uh, that's quite a lot to, like if 
charging 40, 50 quid for a month at that point is getting to the point where you may as well just license yeah. a song from anywhere anywhere because yeah, but then they do, so I what do- I do is I just charge on the invoice I add a tenner oh, okay. and that way it keeps it cheap oh, I'm a bad person my phone was not on silent <laughs> um, it keeps it cheap so they, like it's never been an issue um, I've actually had my first client that I used it on I was like, oh, I'm going to send you over all the licenses um, and the price will just be on the invoice. And she was like, oh, how much will it be? I was like, oh, £10. She went, oh, that's, oh, okay. that's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I ended up getting like a repeat job from that because it was just, it turned out <laughs> a lot cheaper than she thought it'd be. How I, uh, so how I decide if, they, if they're going to be happy with me charging 40 quid is like, if they were initially happy with my quotes. So like I had uh, this case where the guy was like, oh, I want you to do like uh, an entire day behind the scene. We're, we're releasing this brand. We're going to go to these rappers. Um, we're going to distribute cl- our clothes, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you are just there to shoot behind the scene. And we're going to put like together an epic montage. And I was like, oh, really cool. Yeah, all together, mate, that'll be about uh, 900 or something. Um, depending on like... Jeez, you're other- expensive. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. He, he wanted me to drive to London with him in my own car. Right. So fuel food that's like the first thing and then yeah, an entire day shooting and then the final result he wanted was like um about what 10 minute video out of it uh, oh right yeah yeah Cheap. so i was like well to start things over like 900 quid but it depends how long you want me to like stay there how long you want my camera to be rolling and it can go up to like 1.5 um and he was like oh uh my budget is 150 quid <laughs> And I was like, yeah, see if uh, it was local, that would be like absolutely fine for me. Like, yeah, yeah. At so, this point, uh, what I do though, by the way, what I do, which is right, I actually suggest a lot of people to do that. So, I've I've heard like a lot of other people from the same industry uh, when when they when the clients say, oh, we only have like 150 uh, for the budget, rather than sometimes accepting that because, for example, if my price is like 250 pound for 10 photos. And they'll be like, oh, sorry, our budget is 150. Rather than saying, oh, yeah, okay, I actually uh, just say, okay, we'll do 150, but I'll be only be able to do five shoots, five photos, sorry, at 450. And then they start saying, oh, okay, then if we increase the price to 200, how much would that be? And I'm like, yeah, seven photos. By the way, this is just an example. I don't obviously charge 200 quid for seven photos. But um, yeah, I don't let my value go down. Just because, if, if I, I, have, I, okay, I'm not gonna lie. I've got like ego issues, right? Help me, Greg. <laughs> I've got ego issues. I know you do. We've talked about this. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> but um, it's just that I don't, I don't really want them to realize. Oh, okay, I'm willing to work for any money. It just kind of lets your value down. So See, I have what I personally say is like it. At the point we're at, like we're open with the fact that we're starting off building yeah, up, yeah, and we're dummies. Like, <laughs> but so I only started a few months ago, so I'm valuing my portfolio and trying to get a job after I graduate. Mm-hmm. So the jobs that I've had that I'm like, right, I can use this on my portfolio, be looking professional, right, and it's been way below what I'd charge or what I'd want. I've taken it because it's gone on my portfolio. And at this point, that's kind of priceless. But the jobs where I've been talking to someone and they're not willing to give up creative control 
at all and they're wanting to pay 50 quid for a music video that yeah. I don't even have creative control over and their vision mm-hmm. is not good True. in terms of it won't be any value. I won't want to put work. it anywhere. Then I'm going to say no. I think... Like last night I had a message from someone saying, oh, do you want to, would we be able to collaborate on a uh, fashion shoot? Okay. For anyone listening, I just used air quotes because collaborate <laughs> apparently means, oh yeah, I don't want to pay anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, right, I'm busy at the moment, so I'm not going to be able to do anything for free. But really it's the fact that I don't need a fashion shoot on my yep, portfolio yep. right now. So, I agree. But if I did, I'd be offering work for free to try and get it. I think same goes for me. Um, so I actually don't know right now what niche I want to pursue. So a lot of people be telling me you're good with fashion and that's only because I've done the Sideman videos and the Ill Vision one. And they were like, oh yeah, that's sick, bro. Uh, you should actually really do fashion. You That's your strongest point. But then my counter argument would be, yeah, but like I haven't tried other things out. What if I like, I don't know, food? What if I like um, cars, shoot and like racing and stuff? So I know I have to like test it out and I can't because of COVID right now. But um, when I when I will find out what is it that I want to pursue, uh, niche wise, I think then and only then I would say, okay, if this is clothing related, I'll be willing to do it for free, mate, as long as I get good portfolio piece out of it. But if it's like something completely unrelated to what I do, like food or I don't know something else, then I would actually be stubborn about my prices as of right now. So just because I haven't got the idea what I want to pursue, that's why whoever comes to my door, I'll just say, yep, these are my prices. Hire me if you want to, otherwise get out. <laughs> yeah, and yes, See, I, do like, have, I do have ego issues. <laughs> for me, the main reason I've, I think I've only really turned down, I think, two or three shoots okay. in the last few months. And the main reason is I'm, I've got uni work. I've got, portfolio work that i'm working on that i want to try and get out Mm -hmm. so but if i didn't have anything to do like you're working on a project right now so that's another probably reason why you wouldn't take anything that you don't really want to do but if i didn't have time like take the work because even if it's not something you want to get into the that day of shooting you could learn you might mess something up realistically like with me the most i've learned is when i've messed something up completely i've messed up my exposure i've forgot to record anything I, so even if it's not something you want on your portfolio like it would actually be worth it i actually had that experience like uh so there was one dish this one shoot i'm not gonna name who it was with because they might be listening hi um but um he was forcing me to come to this shoot with him and i was like yeah but this is not really my type of a sport related shoot um and i was like you know what okay uh let's let's actually go it might be you know worth for the experience went there and i actually learned how to communicate with the client the right way because normally i would just go to the shoot say hi blah blah this is this blah blah and then i would just start doing my thing without talking to them without being interacting and i thought they would prefer the same the client would prefer the same and they would just they would want me to do my work without talking to them uh but in reality when i went when i went out with that guy to do this shoot i realized the client is actually wanting you to talk first and i've been using his skills his uh small talks now and it actually works at the start you can tell like the clients are a bit shy to like open up to you but then when you actually start doing small talks and everything 
they actually become friendly and that possibly leads to wanna hire you again. I've noticed that. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd say, uh, again, at, at the beginning stages, it is ideal to pick as many jobs as possible, but I've got ego issues, so I need, I'm, I'm like struggling with this. <laughs> Do you want to tell your story about, that you told me, um, when, where did you talk about this on the last podcast, how your pricing strategy was at the start, how you didn't want to do free work, because, uh, yes. I can't remember what it was. So, I, right, okay, so I thought, because I've spent like, 500 quid on my camera, um, and a lot, on my gimbal and all this and I thought it was just stupid to even reach out to me bro I was even like a lot of the YouTubers were like oh do this do that do that and I just didn't want to listen to them because I thought that was copying as I said I have huge ego issues so I um it was like oh yeah we, we, do you want to call up with this do you want to do this do you want to do that and I was like yeah but my equipment costs this much this this is how much it will cost for lighting this is how much it will cost for this blah 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 and I just didn't do any free work whatsoever uh, but then one mate of mine was like, well, how are you going to grow your portfolio then? How, if I, if you want to hire a photographer for your own Instagram shoot, for example, something as horrible as just an Instagram photo, you want to see their portfolio. And how are you going to get portfolio? Uh, it's just by doing free work. And that's when it clicked to me. I was like, you know what, mate, you're right. Um, and that's when I started reaching out to a lot of food places. Uh, this is when I did the, I think I could say the name, soul food um soul food shoot they were actually super friendly they were like oh yeah you need to build a portfolio that's amazing we were looking for photographers as well and uh, yeah just come and join us uh they gave me free food as well which was really nice uh, <laughs> but uh yeah yeah I, I didn't like doing free work at the start but as it turns out i think was. the best one to, when you're doing free work is to ask professional like if you want to go into photography or anything like i asked this guy um Russ Williams, who did, who used to work at McCann Agency in Manchester. They're like mm -hmm. a marketing agency. Okay. And I was like, oh, if you're going on a shoot or anything, would you mind if I came along and just, uh, yeah. like, helped out, carry shit, whatever. And he was like, yeah, come along. And he had something at, if anyone knows, uh, Manchester Hatch on Oxford Road. And he was doing this personal project where he was kind of documenting different places, doing portraits of them. The okay. pictures were unreal. And he was showing me his setup and everything. And when I was there, I got connected to a few people, talking to them, and I, I was, like, shooting behind the scenes and everything. Oh, and okay. good practice, and, yeah, like, you can use that stuff for your portfolio if you just ask them, like, how we had that shoot the other the other week. And if you're collaborating with another person, you can just, like, work together on it, and then you can both have the work for your portfolio. I did, um, I did get in touch with uh, some people from over media. I don't want to say names, but uh, yeah, I um, I got in touch with a production company uh, from Salford. Yeah. They uh, they were saying how they run like skeleton crew right now, and it makes sense COVID and especially because of the fourth lockdown, they're pretty strict. Um, I I'm gonna start messaging. My my strategy right now is as soon as lockdown opens, I want to offer free work again to all sorts of people to gain experience and realize what I want to do and what not, and then reach out to other creators and see how they do things. Basically steal um, their experience 
yeah. and, and I want to, I want I want to do it with like multiple people. I have I, I said go in touch with one. They were like, yeah, as soon as lockdown goes off, uh, goes off, uh, you can work with us. You can shoot behind the scene for our own production companies for our own social medias, which is sick. Um, so hopefully, uh, I think do you know what I'd say I would have been like in a far better of a place if lockdown wasn't here. Not only me, I think everyone to be honest. Cause, nah, I'm the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you actually started in lockdown, didn't you? Yeah, I've, yeah. That lockdown was the only reason that I started. So, so I've been pretty good. So I, I think I said in, in episode one, I'm doing this thing with uh, Princess Trust, and a lot of people are saying the reason they are actually thinking of doing a business now is because of lockdown. So yes, lockdown may have been like a lot of, um, um, a lot of like a huge help for a lot of people realizing they can make far more money with having their own business rather than working for someone else. But for me. I had the idea I want to work for myself, but then I wanted to reach out to people. I wanted to do this, I wanted to do that, but I just couldn't. Everything is off. Like, as of right now, I can't uh, ring people uh, to let me shoot their food places for free because uh, that's illegal right now. As long as you... Yeah, you can still, you can still um, <clears throat> go in and shoot, and because a lot of places are doing takeaway. No, no, uh, because it doesn't involve money, legally, that's illegal. Um... If that's why I'm trying to get like right now, whoever comes to my door, I'm like, yeah, pay me. Like, I want to make everything official right now so that at least I don't get fined 10k. But as soon as nah, lockdown nobody's looking, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, sorry, Mr. I don't know, cop who's listening to this podcast. We haven't done anything illegal, yeah, for legal reasons. This is a joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, as soon as lockdown is over, hopefully everything starts kicking off again. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for today. Have you got anything else? Yeah. In your, uh... I think we hit the hour mark, didn't we? Oh yeah, fifty-four minutes. Still got six Oof. minutes. Shit. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for today. Thank you very much for listening. Um, as I said before, check us out on. I've actually got a list here: Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Breaker. I don't know who uses Radio Public or Breaker, but we are on that platform as well. Um, and yeah, we'll be uploading every Thursday hopefully fingers crossed um but uh yeah if you have any feedback or review as well please do make sure you go to at production underscore by production oh production is it produced? Dummies. i should know this produced one. by dummies produced yes yes i know my podcast <laughs> at produced underscore by underscore dummies and the link for that should be in the description if you're watching on youtube and uh, yeah with that all said and done we shall see you on next Thursday. All right? Yeah, next Thursday. Go- goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Kisses. Bye. <laughs> there you go. Done. Ah, uh, Okay. Stop recording. Stop recording. Um...